1: like that the final hour is here on this Monday edition of Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow across the Outkick Network glad you're with us from 6th and Peabody with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine streaming live right now outkick.com and on YouTube we hope to subscribe to the Outkick channel by doing so check out all the shows on demand or live we're live each day 3 o'clock Eastern you can find all the shows uh, for their first broadcast or going back on demand Chad style Being able to rewind, fast forward. On demand, the way to go. That's right. You've got it. The way of the mid to
2: late aughts.
1: That's the way to do it. On demand. You can live like a child in the 90s. Yeah.
2: Oh, man. (laughs) How I yearn for the days that, you know, you waited until Thursday night to see the next Seinfeld episode. Or Nick at night. Let's just go back ways here. TGIF. TGIF. I mean, Steve Urkel. Somebody had to watch Steve Urkel on a Friday night. That someone was me. Every Friday night.
1: It reminds but me of you to wait around for it. The Key and Peele uh, episode on Urkel. Have you seen this? No. Oh, yeah. For those who haven't. I'll be
2: Googling very yeah. soon.
1: Put that in your algorithm uh, for sure. <laughs> it's worth it. Uh, Chad, we've got plenty to discuss from the PGA Championship. And Kepka winning his fifth major. Um, uh, of course, Michael Block becoming a, a household name yesterday with the hole-in-one. Uh, George Savarikas will join us coming up in about 20 minutes. Uh, from ESPN, also from the, the Golf Channel with his coverage. Really looking forward to that chat and where we go from here based on what we've seen from Kepka and the Live Tour competing with the PGA. Um, we're going to have a lot, of t- a lot of time, it seems, to just really hone in on what Miami and the Heat are doing so well because Game 1 of the NBA Finals is June 1st. That's a week from Thursday. And right now, we are on the verge of seeing two sweeps. The Lakers will try to avoid the elimination tonight as they host Denver. Meanwhile, tomorrow, I mean, based on the way the Boston Celtics quit last night, I don't think they're lasting for a game five back in Boston. What did you make of the way the Celtics played? And no, I mean, uh, there was no, there are times when I see people tweet, oh, this team or this player, they just quit. And there is some gray area to it. Last night, there was no gray area. Boston threw in the towel, and they did it right after game two. I mean, by the end of the first quarter, that game was over. And this is not just the number two seed against the eight seed. This is by far, when both series started, the betting favorite to win the Larry O'Brien trophy, to win the title, not just the Eastern Conference. And they are getting boat raced last night by the eight seed, Miami Heat.
2: Magic Johnson said it very well in his tweet about a proud Celtics franchise. And I would say Magic Johnson knows quite a bit about the Boston Celtics with his rivalry with them with the Los Angeles Lakers. And he tweeted, In my 44 years of being associated with the NBA, I never thought I'd see a Boston Celtics team, a franchise with 17 championships, quit. I know Celtics fans all over the world must be disgusted and devastated. The Miami Heat blew them out. 128-102 to in Game 3. Now, some may say, well, that's Magic Johnson taking an opportunity to troll the Celtics. I disagree. He's not lying when he says that. There is a responsibility with certain franchises across pro sports that when you put on the uniform, it should mean something more based on their history and based on the great players who have graced that uniform. The Boston Celtics are absolutely one of those franchises. So to watch them go down like that and quit in the second half is disheartening. And I'm sure Celtics fans would tell anyone that would listen that exact same thing. It was a pathetic performance. It was a pathetic moment to try to talk trash by Grant Williams on Friday night that sparked a big comeback and sparked Jimmy Butler to take over the game and continue to dominate the series. And it begs to ask the question, is there truly a responsibility that comes with a logo or a uniform, or a franchise, I think there is, with certain teams. And the Boston Celtics are one of those teams. And right now, this is a group that's failing to live up to that. Joel Mazzula, their head coach, is saying, I failed to get them ready, which I think is a ridiculous thing to say with highly paid professional athletes. But Hutton, it's a problem right now. And the biggest part of the problem may be the Miami Heat are just this good. Now, moving on to the possible finals. Mm Mm-hmm. I think if you are a fan of the NBA or sports, you need to root for the Denver Nuggets. Why? Denver Nuggets are number one seed. They played really well throughout the regular season. The Miami Heat got in through the play-in tournament, into this spot. As did LA. I don't want to see a scenario where everyone can point to the regular season and say, well, the Miami Heat won the finals, won a championship as a play-in team, so we can rest guys more. We can take it less serious. We're gonna have the guys healthy and ready to go at the end of the year. And as long as we get there, we got a shot at the championship because the regular season doesn't matter. I don't think that helps the NBA.
1: But we're already saying we're already saying that. I don't want to see I don't want to see them win a title. Uh, but we're we've already- yet
2: to see a play in team win the title. We have to see we've well, never seen an eight
1: seed win a title in anything. I don't think they've ever won two two series. But I mean, the regular season doesn't matter. Well, it should though that that's the problem i have with but it hasn't in a long time it's not just due to the play in it's 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 just the mentality of what we've seen with uh you know the, the managing the, the the certain players on number of minutes um guys taking nights off games off that we saw last night i mean it looked like load management last night for the boston celtics quite frankly um yeah i i think it's a, a it's a big issue for the nba that not going to be fixed by having some mid-season tournament where the winning team of this mid-season tournament they're going to stage, not this upcoming season, but a year from now, um, is going to be winning players get five hundred grand each, and they're already pissed off that it's not a million because that was originally the proposal. Draymond was saying that the the players lost in all of this because they're losing half a million on that play-in, not the play-in tournament, the mid-season tournament. Where it's going yeah. to affect your playoff status. Point being, they're, they're trying to find ways to gauge interest. And the way to gauge interest is to build more stars. And unfortunately for the NBA, last night they really lost out because Jason Tatum rose to the occasion in Game 7 against the MVP and Joel Embiid and against James Harden. And then in Game 3, they looked like the 76ers in Game 7. They were done. And that was, I mean, that's the stat. That is the level that we're seeing of the NBA right now. Very unpredictable, very back and forth. The Lakers are the same way, but the difference with the Lakers is they're more consistent to where I don't think that they're... I think they're they are better than what they are, but at the same time, Chad, the Lakers are not going to throw in the towel the same way. Right? They... they well, you know the, why that is? Well, that well because, well, number one, they've got LeBron. Yes, that that's the reason. But, but they also have Anthony Davis. And Anthony Davis, every other game puts up 40 and 15. Yeah. And he's not doing that on a consistent basis. A, again, another star. But with Boston, Boston is throttling teams during the regular season. And then it's back and forth during the postseason as well. But... I thought the Lakers would compete better than what they are. Not compete, win more. And I think they – I don't think they win tonight. It's not for lack of effort. I don't think we see what happened last night. I just simply think it comes down to the Denver Nuggets are just that good. And And fun. And the Lakers are in a one-point game in game three, and the Nuggets just close them out. Um, When you've got guys who can barely, you know, draw iron for three quarters, and they just start draining threes in the fourth. And they end up winning by like eight points or whatever it was in in game three. I think the Denver Nuggets close it out tonight, but for different reasons. I think the Miami Heat have already closed it out based on the way the Boston Celtics played last night in game three.
2: Hutton, we have NFL news uh, breaking. Adam Schefter, flexing for Thursday Night Football just passed, 24-8. to Would you like to
1: hear the eight teams that voted against? Well, it took 24 to pass, so they got the two votes they needed.
2: The eight teams that voted against it, the Giants, the Jets – the Packers, the Bears, Raiders, Lions, Bengals, and the Steelers all voted against it, but it passes.
1: Giants, Jets, Packers, Bears, Raiders, Steelers, Lions, Lions. So you've got a lot of old ownership here with within this. I'm trying to think of. I'm
2: trying to get the th- to find the through line with all those franchises. As to Once, why they would vote against. You got the two New York teams yep. that voted against.
1: Yeah. And, well, and the Jets are already playing a Black Friday game plus a Thursday game. So they've, they've already got two short weeks built in based on that. Yeah. Um, so I understand it. This is more than just this year, though. I mean, this is. Yeah, it's, it's got to be more forward thinking than just what well, they're looking at this season. And, and why this, this will be unfair to a team or teams. Keep in mind, this is not every single week. And the games that will be flexed can only come from the pod of games that are noon central, one eastern kickoffs for the the game that's 15 days away. And it's for weeks 14 through 17. Week 17 of 18, that's the final game for Thursday night football. They're going to flex throughout the entire year. So ESPN and NBC, Sunday night and Monday night football, from weeks five to week 11, Those two networks can each choose two different weeks, if they want to, to flex a game from the noon slash 1 p.m. Eastern kickoff time into their primetime slot. After week 11, week 12, which is right around Thanksgiving, or right before, they will then divert that to the NFL, where the NFL can choose, based on however they're going to do this, it'll be at the behest of the networks, they can then flex games into a better primetime slot, removing a game where you have two teams with losing records. And they're basically doing the same thing for Thursday night football. It's just coming later in the year. But this is still going to have some type of impact. Short weeks, quick turnaround, and it's, it's not going to be fair to the players or the team. And it's certainly, I, I mean, they don't give a damn about the fans. They re- the NFL cares about the billion dollars coming in? Well, they, they, they care in this in this regard, I think. I'm talking about the fans that have chosen to either... Oh, go to games. Tr- go to games. Yeah, no, they don't I mean, care about that. From, from picking your one game or two games per year, you now don't know if you're in November, December, or early January. I'm trying to figure out when the last Thursday game would be, December. You don't know if your game is going to be moved up three days, if it's going to be on time, if it's going to be moved backwards, three hours or back 24 hours until yeah, but 15 I, I days out. I would argue out.
2: this is a move for the fans.
1: I mean, they're looking at well, who are we going to affect a bigger no, it's a, number well, of. It's a move for Amazon.
2: Yeah, but it's also a move for me. I don't want to sit through some of these games. If you give me the well, option of a Thursday night package that has a better game, that you flex into one that matters as opposed to what we've been seeing, all of those viewers at home that like football, that's a win for them. It's a loss for the individual teams that don't want to have to be moved to Thursday night. It's a loss for the organization that doesn't want to have to do that, and yes, it's a loss for the sixty to eighty thousand people that were planning to go to that game. Now they have to change their plans. But my argument is the greater number of fans are affected by a better TV game, an exclusive window. So, in that regard, well, the NFL is picking the fan. Well, why didn't over they do the it teams teams before the, the
1: billion-dollar TV package came
2: into play? Well, I don't. I don't. I how they got to it. I'm saying like it,
1: that's what the, this that's, goes to the fans. But like, it has nothing to do with the
0: would fans. Would you not
2: argue, though, the fans win? The well, more, more fans? I how many, guess. How many fans matter? 60 that go? No. Or the so see, know, you, 3 million that I mean, watch on TV? We're agreeing.
1: We're just saying it different. It took a billion dollar per oh, annual sure. year uh, uh, contract yeah. to come into play before the NFL even considered having a team play twice on Thursday night football. Sure, but
2: it took, and that took, to get the 24 owners to do it, the thought of this billion-dollar plan could go away so here's, if they don't get what they want. Here's
1: what really happened behind the scenes. They did vote on this in March. They said they took a straw poll. The reason why they said they took a poll and, and took a temperature of the room instead of a vote is because it failed. And then they tabled it to this week. And two owners abstained from voting, and they had uh i believe six others or eight others eight others who voted no and i think the same owners voted no and goodell went behind the scenes and politicked his way into flipping those those owners did did it say if anyone abstained from voting today i don't think so that that those were
2: eight right we counted to eight. yeah so you, they needed 24
1: to pass and they got 24 so Goodell, yeah, it, it was yeah all of them voted goodell it got 24
2: four, eight. there was no yeah no one abstained
1: Yeah. Um, it's, it's, it's intriguing because I'm thinking about what could be lobbied and this will never be, you know, we'll never know. But so Detroit, I I immediately thought when I heard that Detroit was one that voted no back in March, I'm like, oh, Goodell go behind the scenes. Like, you want the draft or Green Bay? You want the draft vote? Then come on our side on this. Didn't happen. But I I would love to know what what the conversations were like behind the scenes.
2: I'm sure some of that definitely goes on. Allie on the YouTube chat says, Soon they're going to move all concerts to Amazon too. Let Ticketmaster prosper and screw the in-person fans. This does what you're bringing up about the fans that are getting screwed are the season ticket holders. Or the common yeah. fan that actually wants to go watch their team in person that's trying to plan a schedule I mean, but, in the in the fall. And it does. it's a bigger question that I'll bring up that I think needs to be asked is, is there any live experience that's sacred anymore? And we're seeing more and more of that with sports, right? Billion-dollar media rights package. While that helps the greater number of fans that aren't going to the game live to watch it, that now they can watch the better games and a better experience at home – it does take away from the live viewing experience for fans. And I feel like there's fewer and fewer. We're probably going to revert back, just like we're kind of reverting back to cable now eventually, as seeing that as the best business model. Maybe we revert back to wanting more connection with a live event. Movie theaters are in trouble, right? Going and watching a film live is different from Killers of the Flower Moon. We're saying we might want to go see it in a theater. Most people that have Apple TV+, Plus, they're not going to the theater. They're gonna watch it exclusively at home on that service. One of the reasons they're paying for it, right? But the more and more of these things that go away, the less
1: and less I like it. But the ticket prices go up and up. And there are a couple of markets that voted yes on this that are about to charge PSL prices again. If you wanna if you wanna have the right to have a have a seat at the new stadium here in town, you gotta to pay twenty five grand if you want the club level up front to just have the right to then buy the annual ticket. Um they're saying you only need 15 days notice. That's, they're telling they're paying customers you need 15 days. The NFL is basically pulling a Netflix. They're raising the subscription price. And they're saying, okay, giving you less. dare you to cut, dare you to cancel your subscription. And, and we won't. We'll no. continue to consume the NFL. The NFL is fail-proof. It's
2: the, it's the but, one thing I think in hey, media, live sports in general, but especially the NFL, that it's gold. If you have that, you know people that seek it out are going to pay and find a way to get it.
1: But just, just consider for a moment, Chad, how busy you are coaching right now two different softball teams. Right. Right? And you're going to the game on Sunday. And all of a sudden, you're going to the game Thursday night. And that's the game that you purchased yep. no, I'm not. six months ago.
2: Yep, I'm out. I'll have to find someone to sell my ticket to. But odds are you're just going to give them away. Um, and you're going to lose out. And in
1: the, the comparison to like the the college football package is different. The college football package, CBS, you didn't know the 2:30, 3:30 window, but you would find that out, and you knew your game was going to be on Saturday.
2: Yeah, and you still get it. You just
1: didn't know the kickoff you time. You get
2: it 12 days in advance, the way college football works. Yeah. You'll find out the Monday a week out, you know, 12 days before that game to know Look, your plans. I'm
1: all for better matchups on Thursday night. Uh, I, I I want to start though with Sunday night and Monday night, personally, and then Thursday night. I, I was totally fine with the with the setup where every team had to play that. That is a huge advantage, especially if you're coming off of a game where, or you're going into a week. If you get flexed and you get an extra mini buy from like Friday, Saturday, Sunday off to rest up for your next opponent, that, that is an advantage. That is, right now it's not predetermined based on the way the scheduling. Makers have it set currently
2: the nfl has also announced that green bay will host the 2025 nfl draft that news just coming
1: down as well so it'll be detroit then good green timing bay. there
2: hunting talking about green bay detroit
1: then green bay hey you want this draft you got to play ball well green Bay, they, they voted get no. Their draft they voted no but they still get their draft yeah so the lines also voted no no thursday night but you'll take it and like it uh chad coming up pga championship reaction uh, George Savarekus is about to join us. Uh, covers uh, pro golf for the Golf Channel, ESPN, and, and other outlets. Can't wait to chat about Kepka and uh, I mean the story from yesterday on 15 with the hole in one from Michael Block. Plus, what happened to John Rahm? I, I just he was supposed to be a, a, a guy who just was great on the tough conditions. It got really tough on last Thursday. And he became a baby too. Yeah, well, let's dive in on that. That's yeah. Next in hot Big old baby. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time the roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for the Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Glad you're with us for Hot Mike across the Outkick Network. Hutton Withrow with you. Um... Led off today's show discussing the PGA Championship, Brooks Kepka winning his fifth major, his third PGA, and then Michael Block. Man, have a week, man. Uh, the, the hole-in-one on 15 capped it off, but man, he was the storyline. Incredible. Awesome. And he, he's going to be remembered as the country club pro that, I mean, not just a hole-in-one, a swish. The Roy, the Roy McAvoy of this year's PGA Championship
2: to uh, steal a character yeah, from man. a great Kevin Costner film.
1: George Savarikas joins us. Uh, he was there at Oak Hill for the coverage of ESPN Plus uh, with uh, Golf Channel and more. George, thank you for the time and hope it, hope things are well.
0: Yeah, everything's good on my end. Great to be on with you guys.
1: Describe what we saw from Michael Block. Um, how do you put it into frame and, and describe the week that was?
0: It just doesn't happen. I mean, you have 20 club pros that make it every year. I was on the call three weeks ago. They have the club pro national championship. And normally of that 20, maybe one makes the cut and they'll finish T65. And it's a complete afterthought. And then you have a guy next to the winner who's kind of getting the uh, the hardware and the designation of low club pro. But it's kind of a cute secondary story that you really have to be in the weeds Um, as a golf fan to even know happens like I I bet for a lot of people they didn't even really realize club pros played that week you just hear about like the eight to ten biggest names in professional golf those are the guys battling it out over the weekend so for Michael to shoot 70 70 to start I think once he was at even in the Saturday it was okay maybe this guy is staying power but it's a cute story, and he's going to fade playing with Justin Rose. And then he shoots 70 again. It's like, all right, he's with Rory, but there's no way he's going to finish top 15 and be exempt into next year's PGA Championship. will probably fade. So to follow that up with the hole-in-one, I mean, he he was trying to become the first club pro to finish top 10 since 1968, just to show what he did was such an outlier Uh, to be T15. And I've gotten to know Michael pretty well the last three years of calling the Club Pro Championship and played in Pro-Ams with him before. What you see is what you get. I mean, he's as down to earth and easy going as it gets. And he was telling me that he was all pumped up because he's playing in uh, final stage qualifying for the Open um, and was exempt into that based on how he did last year in this Club Pro event. So he's going with a bunch of buddies to Scotland, Playing in this qualifier July 4th, he was saying, I'm 46. This might be the last chance I ever have to even be competitive. And that was two weeks before this week. So now to have this dream week come together where you're top 15 at the PGA Championship, you steal everyone's hearts and headlines. You're playing at Colonial um, this coming week in the PGA Tour. RBC Canadian Open a couple weeks after that. He's in sectional qualifying for the U.S. Open. His 18-year-old son Dylan also made it to U.S. Open Sectional Qualifying. So they're mm. supposed to do that together. Um, it, it's really a dream week that's spinning into kind of a dream year for Michael.
1: Were you at the pub with him Saturday night?
0: <laughs> I was I was not. I wish I had the invite. I would have loved to grab a seat next to him. He claimed that he wasn't at the pub, he was near the pub. Oh. So that but I, I can only imagine. Um, what the what the tab was like last <laughs> night? That would have been a better night to ride his coattails after the
1: The last time he's gonna have to buy a beer at any club. So. It, it, well, and we all saw the
2: you know the video of him taking a call from the Colonial about being invited yep. with the exemption next week, and he made the comment that got me a little bit excited. He said, "You know, all the people I talked to said this course sets up well for a club pro <laughs> like myself," and I'm thinking. Is this going to be just a one-shining moment, or will we hear from him again at some point? I know the odds are that'll be the one-shining moment. But but what do you think about that, the chance that he could finish top 20 again? I'm not saying win, but in any tournament that he's going to be exempt for now moving forward.
0: Yeah, I like you, knee-jerk reaction, as you say, that was an amazing week. But he played the uh, American Express Championship earlier. I mean, he's been a 10-time Southern California PGA Section player of the year. So the guy's won. Uh, I don't want to call him like the Crash Davis of uh, Southern California golf, but I mean, he's won a ton of club pro events that got him exempt into the PGA tour stop in the California desert. He shot 65. The first round was T seven and then backed that up with a 71 uh, and was top 30 and then faded on Saturday, ultimately missed the cut. So he's shown some flashes where he hits it far um, he's got a decent amount of game. I wouldn't be shocked if he made the cut. I mean, if you're a betting man, he's more likely to miss it than make it. I think realistically, his best play longer term, Rod Le- Rob LeBritz was a longtime club pro, made the run at the PGA Tour champions. That's like every club pro or scratch golfer's dream is when I turn 50, this could happen. Um, for most guys to just laugh and say, okay, you have no chance. You're going up against Fred Couples who shot beat his age last year and shot 60 and one. Like those guys are insanely good. I actually do think Michael could be a reasonable story where if he keeps playing, I don't know, three or four events a year, stays sharp, he can make a run at the PGA tour champions. I think that's realistic. Brooks Koepka has
2: won a few tournaments in his life, (laughs) five majors to be exact. Now when you watch his game, George, uh, what has been the big change? Has it been physical, getting over some of the injuries that he's had? Has it been mental combination of of both? But since he left for live in a time where when you watch the documentary and see he was going through some things mentally in his game, that suddenly has changed with the Masters and now this performance. Where do you see the big change?
0: I think a lot of it has to do with health. And then the other subplot was him reuniting with his old swing coach, Claude Harmon. Um, They didn't talk for two years and then got together last July and Brooks at the time said I think I can win more majors so that was the goal that he set out they kind of put whatever misgivings they had um by the wayside and that's when he rededicated himself to get back to where he was 2017 to 2019 um when I was working for ESPN plus last week we had a, a stat from 2017 to 19 and final rounds and scoring average was 69-3 Since then, it had been 72. So you wondered, okay, has he lost the aura of invincibility? Like, a lot of guys have an amazing two- to three-year run, and then that's it. Like, Rory won four majors in three years, 2011 to 14. Hasn't won one since. Jordan Spieth won three from 2015 to 17. Hasn't won one since. So that was an easy narrative to throw at Brooks and one that, I mean, I'd been saying on Golf Channel, maybe he just had – an amazing run 2017 to 19 and law averages like these things are hard to win. There's only four a year, but I think him getting his health back reuniting with Claude and the fact that he lost the masters and what he called a choke where he said he was planned not to lose it instead of playing to win it. And then you saw Sunday goes three under the first four shuts the door. looks like the Brooks cap of old, And now you, I mean, of course in the media, he goes from four to five and you're like, okay, well, could he win eight, like 10? How, how far can he get this going? But he's just hardwired differently. Like he's the best major golfer since Tiger Woods. And you lump Phil Mickelson in that generation. But since call it like the guys who've come out since 2010, he is the most to anyone and, and how he approaches the majors and how he elevates his game. He's starting to separate himself from the rest of the pack. And I think it's more realistic. He gets to six than Rory gets to five or Jordan Spieth gets to four.
1: George Savarikus with us. We're recapping the PGA championship, discussing Brooks Kepka on Hot Mic with Hutton and Withrow. So I know that the the questions immediately come out. What did that mean for Live versus the PGA? Personally, I don't know exactly what it means because I'm I'm only gonna watch Brooks Kepka in the majors, right? Like I I'm not turning on the live tour to watch Brooks Kepka. It's uh, certainly not if they're going to a playoff and they're going to play some infomercial. Um, so I don't know what benefits the the live tour based on that victory other than validation. But we already knew those dudes could play.
0: But I think us three collectively knew they could play. But the narrative was these guys are cashing out. Brooks took it because he was injured last year. And why not de-risk what could be a debilitating injury for his career and take? Well, the people are saying the price tag was 100 to 125 million. But a lot of these guys were on the tail end of their career, riding off into sunset and taking the 20, 30, 50, 100 million guaranteed. And you didn't know how seriously they would actually take these events to gear themselves up for majors. I do think it gives them a little more credibility to have a guy who's now the reigning PGA championship winner. You had him and Phil as a runner-up in the Masters, um, I think their big issue is that they want world ranking points. The governing bodies don't want to give that to them. And Liv hasn't decided to play the game with 72 whole events to really force the issue on these governing bodies that are the ones that arbiter who gets points. So I think that's where they're stymied right now is you have these flashes in majors and people see that Brooks can still play, uh, Cameron Smith, Harold Varner, Mito Pereira, um, but they just haven't been able to get more of a groundswell of widespread acceptance because it still feels like an exhibition. But we know that these guys can use that tour to still peak in majors and play amazing golf.
2: John Rahm did not have a good week and uh, was caught on camera you know, yelling at uh, a camera crew about you only – Get me—you only get in my face when I do had a bad shot or have a bad reaction and complaining about it. I—I um, I haven't seen as much of the, the big baby version of John Rom that we saw last week. What, what did you make of that?
0: I mean, Chad, we don't see a lot of it when he's won four times and has a major and he's always in contention. So, yeah, uh, when you when you have a hand that's dealt against you and you have a ten and a six and dealer has a king showing, then I mean, your mood changes a little bit for John Rom he's a fiery guy. Um, He's always a guy who wins the media center. He's insanely articulate for English being his second language. And the growth that he's had with his game over the years has been impressive. That being said, when guys get upset that a camera's there, it's like, okay, well, that's why you're making 20 to 30 million a year. Because companies like CBS and NBC and ESPN are paying hundreds of millions of dollars to put that camera in your face. And that's why you have all these sponsors covering you, because they want that camera time. So to then, when you're not playing well, be upset that there's a camera there. Uh, eventually, like Bryson used to do that, and we'd roast Bryson for it. Uh, any athlete that does that, I'm like, OK, well, if people are going to be there when you're slipping on the green jacket saying you're the going to be uh, the next Seve and one of the greatest Spaniards of all time, then when you're shooting 75 and finishing T fifty, the camera's gonna be there also. So it always well, most guys, guys don't even me. see it,
2: right? I mean, I'm sure they do, but that, that's what's so rare about it is the the lack of acknowledgement with players on tour of cameras even right around them or right next to them. They're so good and so dialed in, it's like they don't even see the camera right next to them. Clearly, John Rahm did though. That that's what stood out to me.
0: Yeah, no, it was It was a little bit surprising. I mean, I'm not going to lie to you, his reaction. I know he runs hot, though. So (laughs) he has a day where he's upset at the conditions and and the course. And then you want to blame the – like, the easiest thing to do is blame everything external instead of saying I'm playing like crap and just being mad at yourself. So I think it was just one of those moments. I just hope it's not one that is repeated – with any regularity going forward, because it's not a great look when you have your superstar who is a former world number one uh, just showing a side of them that's not a great look.
1: George Ryder Cup captains, Zach Johnson and Luke Donald, how will they handle the live tour, specifically Zach Johnson and the possibility of having Brooks Kepka? I mean, if I want to win and I do, I want Brooks Kepka on my team.
0: And it's completely different because the DP World Tour is tied to the Ryder Cup. So they actually are kind of the governing body that oversees Team Europe. So there's friction with live in the DP World Tour directly. The PGA Tour does not control the Ryder Cup. It's the PGA of America. There was actually a split when the PGA of America and the PGA Tour split in 1968. They used to control both the Ryder Cup and the World Series of Golf. The PGA of America took the Ryder Cup because it was an afterthought. Then the PGA Tour took the World Series of Golf. They thought that was the bigger event. That's like one of the worst trades of all time, <laughs> just because of how big the, good history, the Ryder awesome. Cup has become. Yeah, seriously. I didn't but know in, that. Yeah. with the PGA of America being the entity that oversees the U.S. team, it should be the 12 best Americans, regardless of where you play. Like if if you were playing the Australasian Tour and were. Second in the Ryder Cup standings, you should be eligible to play there. So I think Zach Johnson should have, I think Brooks Kepka should be on the Ryder Cup team. He's I think what second in the points list right now? Like it unless they change their bylaws, he should be on it and Dustin Johnson should be in consideration as a captain's pick.
1: Um it's tough to nitpick with Jim Nance. I mean, from the broadcast chair, I just want to get your perspective on this. So they came out of a commercial break and showed the hole in one, right? Why did they why did they obvi- make it obvious that they were setting it up as taped when you could easily play it back as live quote unquote and you know they and they had gone away from the coverage to begin with so the fact that they were showing them at 15 you knew something crazy just happened and I'm not sure why they chose to tell us it was taped and this just happened previously minutes ago
0: and usually they don't I mean, they'll try and play it as live or not spoil it for you. They don't want to tip you off. I don't know what the lag was from when it actually happened to when they showed it. Um, Because, I mean, golf viewers are becoming much more savvy and astute following in real time and then saying, hey, this happened two, three, four, five minutes ago. Um, I admittedly was in the airport in Rochester flying back to Austin. So I was watching on a phone had my AirPods in was listening to a boarding announcement and then also listening to the block hole in one. So it was a little choppy on my end, but yeah, I mean, Jim's the, I would say the best in the business. And when I was re listening to the call, it was like, all right, well you could tell right when you hit it, that this is probably going to be a hole in one. And that, I mean, I think you guys would agree that was the best moment of the week.
2: Yes. Far yeah. none. I, I think it's the shot <laughs> yeah, of like, the year. It was awesome.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I mean and you Chad, you said it it was like Roy McAvoy. It really was real life 10 cup. Like it except he didn't hit the water is,
2: five times first, right? He yeah. was when I hit it in the first time, which was great.
0: Yeah, yeah. But the scenes at his country club. I mean, people slamming beers and chanting blocky, and it looked like it was like you were watching the US and the World Cup or something like that, like the bar reactions. It, it was insane. So yeah, I w- I was a little surprised by that.
1: And, and everyone can at least relate to, you know, oh, you're thinking about the golf course you've played at, there's always a head pro there, and you're thinking, okay, yeah. that guy represents all of them. I mean, it's pretty crazy to think about, considering, you know, where he was, where he came from. And I know he's played 20-plus uh, tournaments like this, but nothing, well, nothing in the, the and, circumstances four, and four previous that PGAs, I believe.
2: Rory McIlroy had to go hug him, and yeah. he didn't know it went in. Yeah. Uh, he was still in discipline, so that didn't go in, did it? Because of the nature of he, how he sunk it, he was in disbelief when people were celebrating and Rory was giving him the hug. He was in shock, which kind of added to it also.
0: It was cool to see Rory really embrace the moment and have fun with it and not feel that, okay, I'm above playing with this club pro. Let's say, okay, wow, this is an incredible story. Let's make sure that this guy uh, is comfortable and inside the ropes, this is around that he slash we we'll always remember together. Um, As far as Michael playing 24 events, it sounds like a lot. He's 46. If you're Southern California section player of the year, you normally get in the Farmers and the American Express. So you're playing like two to three a year. So it's basically he plays two to three a year and then usually misses the cut. So for him to have a, a week like this, it's not like he had played a full season on the PGA tour. It's like he had a handful that were just because of what he was doing In his local Southern California PGA section, this week, I mean, we may not see another week like this for 30 plus years, like to to really put it in context, just how surreal this was. This was like a solar eclipse, like lightning in a bottle uh, for uh, the odds of another, like uh, we were celebrating in 2018, Ben Kern, who was another club pro, finished T42. That was like, oh wow. Like he made the cut and he didn't suck on the weekend. Like he was actually relevant. T15 the cashed almost $300,000. Um, yeah, it's preposterous. Like, it, if, if you guys wrote that script and then were pitching it to me, like, oh, we got this amazing concept, this golf pro makes the PGA championship, finishes T15, I'd be like, all right, that's not even plausible. Like, people watching it would be like, this is such a Hollywood ending. This is so lame. He makes a hole in one. This would never happen. But that's what, that's the beauty in sports is to have something like that unfold where I have my non sports fan buddies now texting me about Michael block and these guys are allergic to golf, but that story captured their attention.
1: I wonder if live called him.
0: <laughs> they already got their roster set for the year. So <laughs> no exemptions. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But apparently that's a like PGA tour was fast to act. They were able to sneak him into colonial next week.
1: George Severicus has been our guest. Great stuff, man. Uh, thank you for the time and the perspective. Keep up the great work, and, and hopefully we'll have you on again soon. It's really uh, good. Thank especially you. Especially probably the middle of next month whenever U.S. Open rolls around.
0: Yeah, sounds great. I'll be at uh, LACC. Um, enjoyed the chat and look forward to connecting in the future.
1: Yeah, man. Thanks, Appreciate George. Appreciate you. Uh, yeah, you, Matt, you mentioned the Hollywood script. Imagine if at the end of that script, Liv calls. Yeah. And then it, it then turns them down. And then he's then he's... I mean, a hero again. <laughs> that's a hole-in-one hole for the PGA. Yeah.
2: You know what? I'd rather just go back to my instructions I'm just, yeah. at my, at my I'm go local teach. country club. I'm going to go teach. He says that he gets about one bucket of balls in a week because he's so busy with instruction throughout the
1: week. I, 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 this may not sound like crazy. He hit that hole-in-one with an iron that's been in his bag since 2014, which is also unheard of on tour with how much and how like picky they are with all of the clubs and all the sponsorships. That's also cool. Yeah. Hit us up with your thoughts. You can join us in the chat on YouTube and on Twitter. Uh, just search out Outkick. We hope you'll subscribe to the YouTube channel while you're there. Coming up, the latest example of a human being literally complaining about anything. That's, that's next on Hot Mike.
0: You ready?
2: Showtime. On May 3rd, Summer starts
0: with the Fall Guy. We're doing later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. What's the poster said? See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) The Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13.
1: Chad, there's apparently a TikTok star. I'll say star. A TikToker? Yeah, who's... They call
2: like, them YouTubers. You have influencers for, on Instagram. Are they TikTokers? Is that what sure, we're calling them?
1: Sure. But uh, she's known as Big Curvy Olivia. So hmm. this is what she's going for. Right? Use your
2: imagination as to um, what she looks like. But
1: she's like... I'm going to guess she's
2: both big furious. and curvy. She's gone
1: viral for her, her take that it's discrimination that airlines can't build wider aisles in airplanes in 2023. I mean... Like, she's you know eating she's eating to the point where she wants to not be able to fit anywhere right but then complain about it and she's going through aisles where these are the pods this is like she's in first class yeah well yeah i mean this is like the legitimate this is a wide aisle i know not for her
2: this is not a southwest flight it's not a hallway And i'm fine with southwest that's what i always fly not a hallway though but those are a lot smaller than that yeah I just think you reach a, like, look, if you're so fat mm -hmm. that you can't maneuver around a plane or a train or a bus or whatever, you just can't travel that way. I don't know how else to do it. It's like like being seven feet tall. Like Yeah, like there are just certain things that, you know. Although you can't control how tall you are. If you're seven feet tall, you know, you're going to get an Uber XL. Right and hope for the best. You're not going to fit into oh, uh, California a Prius King or whatever. Yeah. Right. right. So you got to get things that accommodate yourself. Like I understand you can't build out and request a bigger plane or fly private or afford to do that. But being seven foot is something you can't help.
1: Thank you. Yes. That's the that's the only difference. Right.
2: Like <laughs> if you're grossly obese, and I don't think this this woman could move at least like move around. But Barely. if you're that big that you can't fit through an aisle, then I mean, just the, don't fly. Don't
1: uh, for, for our listening. I'm this is me. Like, look, we're not I, talking about a defensive tackle I, here. I
2: might be 400 pounds one day. I don't know. This I don't know what the future holds isn't, for isn't, me.
1: This isn't Dan Hampton. I'm
2: telling you, if I'm 300, 400 pounds and I can't fit on an airplane or in the aisles, I'm just not going to probably fly airplanes. That much. I'm not going to be on one. I'm just going to not travel. Yeah. Well, I mean, these are the sacrifices
1: you make to be to be that big. Big curvy Olivia. I mean you know bco she's going for this so she got what she wanted i wonder how much big curvy olivia makes as a tiktoker enough enough to fly on that i don't know that she was
2: flying in one of those pods though it looks like she was trying to maneuver her way out of the pod area into the maybe that's the video i want to see is her uh, having to buy the two seats that she had to purchase to sit on that plane (laughs) (laughs) two pods they do make you do that I got a buddy who's bigger. They who they, he always has to buy the two seats when he goes on a, on a Southwest flight. It's not cheap. No. <laughs> that would be plenty of motivation for me.
1: Uh, when that we would return give tomorrow, motivation. I think the series is over with Denver and L.A. I think the Nuggets win tonight. I LeBron's ankle. I said on Friday I thought it'd be a series by the time we got back. I wanted it to be. Not going to happen. I think it's going to be another close game. I just think the Nuggets are just better. I agree. Lakers are not going to throw in the towel, though. Luggets not after what we saw from the Celtics last night. Join us tomorrow, 3 o'clock Eastern. Hot Mike with Hutton Withrow across the Outkick Network.